Good morning. Happy Friday to everybody. And for getting up early on a Friday, some of you I know is today's your day off. If today's your day off, raise your hand. See, that, those, those are the real guys right there that get up on their day off to come to men's breakfast. Really, really thankful for you guys being here. I continue to be amazed at uh, our, what RSVPs look like on Sunday versus on Thursday at 2 o'clock. My phone blows up at Thursday at noon saying, oh my gosh, I forgot to get a ticket. I'm like, are you on email? Yeah, I just, you know, I send you guys, I try not to send you more than three emails because I don't want to get, you know, I don't want you to get hate mail from you. Uh, but anyway, I really appreciate you guys making the effort to be here this morning. Um, I was thinking last night, what if, and I know some of us have those moments in our lives where we ask ourselves, what if, um, which is a good question to ask, what if, every, every once in a while. What if you could have a men's breakfast every week? Um, someone brought up that question not long ago. Can we do this more often? Could we? I was like, once a month's good. Good. We're good on that. But um, one replacement for that would be um, small groups. So, um, you know, small group finder is open right now. I think on my slide, I think it says uh, that it opens on the 14th. That's when it actually starts. But we have a lot of men's groups. They're all over the city. They're everywhere. Um, I know it's been pushed a lot, but just my own personal um, testimony on, on, on groups is that it's that we've, we, me and my wife have led a small group of couples since uh, small groups opened. And man, what a life-changing experience of people that you travel life with. Um, and you know, good thing about the groups that are now, you, know, you can stay in the group you're in or you can move on to a different group. Um, they, there's all different kinds of topics. There's, there's different types of groups. There's a group for everybody in this room, your age, your status in life, everywhere you are. And you can find that um, on the website that's on my slide here. So uh, if you uh, are not in a group, um, it's not a weird thing. It's, it's awesome. Truly, truly awesome. So that's my personal on small groups. You know, as we traveled through life and had, you know, uh, births in our group, we've had deaths in our group, we've had family members that have moved on. Um, but what's been great is when something goes wrong in life or when something goes right in life, um, that group is the first one that either makes a phone call or is at my door saying, what can we do for you? And so that's truly, you know, those are your, your truly closest friends are the ones you travel with and the ones that you are with week in and week out. Um, the good thing about groups too is that they do have an ending. So uh, it starts August 14th is when uh, small groups start and then they end uh, right after, right before Thanksgiving on November 19th. So you have plenty of time there to get in, and then you get, you've got time off until the next semester starts in January. So it's not a commitment forever, especially if you get into a group that you may not like the people as much as you might like a different group. Uh, you can change to a different group that next semester. So that's, that's my commercial for small groups today. Really excited today to have Joel Pepin with us. Um, you know, Joel's family has such an incredible rep- reputation. We, um, we were not at ORU at the same time. I know that you probably think that we're the same age, but we are really not the same age, not even close. Um, but Joel has got an incredible family. This is uh, part of the Pepin family sitting at this table right here. So just wave at us over here. Um, but incredible reputation for uh, being great leaders. And it's, you know, when you're around guys like that, you know, really, I want to have, have their parents up here and find out what they did right, especially being a parent of small boys. Uh, I was like, man, what did you do right? I mean, how did, how did you make that work, especially with that many kids? But uh, really thankful to have known Joel on and off. And, you know, even watching my boys grow up under his leadership here at Lincoln, um, it's been, been really great to have someone that's such a great example. And not just, you know, there's a lot of people that are great examples, but there's also the guys that are just cool guys that your kids are like, okay, he's our principal, but he's probably one of the coolest guys around. And so it's, it's really good to have that as also part of, part of who he is. 
and today we're really glad to have him here. Joel was born and raised in north, northern Minnesota. Um, when we first uh, opened up today's men's breakfast, um, I noticed that all the RSVPs were like Pepin, Pepin, Pepin. I was like, my gosh, are you, are you bringing all of them? And his comment was, I'm glad we're not in Minnesota because we would have filled this room twice over with all my family. So uh, they're also very loyal, it sounds like. Um, as a senior in high school, he felt a calling for elementary-aged children, and he mentored a kindergarten boy. He graduated from ORU with an elementary education degree, and that same year he married uh, Tanya. They have two children, Whitley and Drexel. Uh, Joel began his teaching career at Lincoln in the elementary and then in high school. He also taught elementary at Union Public School, so he's been on the, on the Christian side and also on the public side. He then returned to Lincoln in 2012 as the high school assistant principal. Two years ago, he became the fifth and sixth grade principal and has now f- uh, found himself as LCS elementary principal. Um, he is thankful to be able to be a role model to young boys and girls every day, and we are incredibly thankful to have him with us today and hear from him. So, Joel, Joel, come on. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you so much, and for Johnny, for having me. You know, it's it truly is a, a blessing to be able to do this, and it's funny because Normally, <laughs> the people that I talk to are about this tall, um, pretty small. I, like Johnny had said, I oversee all of our pre-K through fourth grade here at Lincoln Christian School here at um, Lincoln, and I'm, you know, it's, it's pretty fun to be able to do that. And also, too, um, when I do my meetings, <laughs> all my meetings are with women. There's only, I only have one guy on my staff. He's our PE coach. It's Coach Big B. And, and so for me to be able to talk with men today is awesome. I'm, I'm super excited. So, so very, very happy. Yes, just like um, Mr. Hampton said, you know, um, the, the topic that I'm going to be talking about today is actually something Larry Stockstill, I don't know if some of you came to the first Wednesday uh, service, but he came on Wednesday during the day and he talked to our staff. We have an all-staff um, for all of the employees at Lincoln and Church in the Move and Dry Gulch. And he came and talked, and as he started beginning his talk, he talked about uh, the story with Exodus, in Exodus with Moses and with Jethro, his father-in-law. So I was like, this is exactly what I'm talking about. And I thought, oh gosh, he's going to take everything that I'm going to talk about, steal it from me. No, no, he didn't. He kind of went a different route with it, but this is a story that I feel like God has placed inside my heart today, and, and again, I'm so very excited to be able to share with you all um, and feel very humbled to be able to do this. And um, like uh, Johnny said, yes, I come from a big family. Do we have any Viking fans in here? Yeah, we got it right here. Go Bears! Torres, I know, was a Bears fan. That's why I said that. Every time I go by his office, I say, go Vikes. But anyways, I am, yes, a huge Vikings fan this is our year. I promise you, it is our year. <laughs> so, um, yes, I was born and raised in Minnesota. I came down here to ORU. Um, I think I have a picture of my wife and my uh, two children. Yeah, there they are. Uh, Whitley is three years old, and um, Drexel, he's a seven-month-old. And then we see my uh, beautiful wife. My Actually, my wife taught here at Lincoln, too, for a few years, and, and is now at home. Um, and uh, yes, I oversee our pre-K through fourth graders. I've, it's funny because I, I started my teaching career out here at Lincoln, and then I was at Union for a few years. But when I taught here, I taught in the elementary. Um, I taught for a few years there. I went to high school and taught ninth and 10th grade Bible for a few years. And then when I went on to Union Public School, I taught elementary 
um, there. And then I came back as an, as an administrator. And so I was a, an assistant up in the high school for a couple of years, assistant principal. And then when we opened this building, the fifth and sixth grade center um, here on this campus, I became the principal of that. And then I moved down in the position I'm at now. So it's funny, I've, I've kind of been a, I've been a teacher and an administrator in every building in this campus, which is, which is pretty crazy. But I tell you what, there's, there's no better place to be. And, and again, I feel very, very humbled and to be able to talk to you all today. So, and my topic is called Humble to Hear and Humble to Heed. Humble to Hear and Heed. So, um, but before we begin, uh, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this time, Father, that we can come to you. And I just thank you for each and every one of these men in here, Father God. And I just pray, Father, that you, that my words are your words, Father. We just pray, Lord God, that each and every one of these men is able to take something from this, from our talk today, and apply it to their lives. And Lord, we just love you so much. We give you an honor and glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, if you all have your Bibles, you can turn to Exodus chapter 18, but let's be real, I think everybody has their phones. So you can turn to Exodus chapter 18, and um, I'll be beginning in verse 13. And um, before we begin that, though, let me kind of set the stage. Um, in the education world, we, we like to call this building background knowledge. So I'm going to give you kind of some background knowledge into this. So with the story of um, Moses, 400 years after Moses, or I'm sorry, after Joseph, his brothers, all the Pharaoh, everybody passes away, there's a new Pharaoh, which is the king of Egypt. Um, he takes over and... Um, he begins subduing all the Israelites. He treats them as slaves and takes them in. And um, he he has all these, uh, all uses them as slaves. And a decree was put out to kill all the Hebrew boys. And so what happens is um, Moses' mother takes him, and some of you remember this story, puts him in a basket, sends him down the river. Well, Pharaoh's daughter is the one that picks up Moses, raises him as an Egyptian, and raises him. And so Moses has Hebrew roots, obviously, as you guys, some of you know that. And then he now is raised as an Egyptian. Well, one day, why am I telling you this? One day, as, as some of you know, Moses sees an Egyptian soldier beating a Hebrew, beating an Israelite. And so what happens is Moses gets mad. He actually kills this Egyptian, and he flees to a town called Midian. And now this is where Jethro comes in. So Moses, while he's in Midian, he meets his wife, and Jethro is his father-in-law, and he marries her. So um, this is where Jethro comes into this story, and... um, I'm not going to get into all the the details of the Exodus, but basically what happens is, some of you know the story of Moses in the burning bush. God appears to him and says, let my people go. And so Moses is the one that has to go and confront Pharaoh. He goes to him and says, you need to let Israelites, which are the Jewish people, God's people, let them go because God had a better land for them. And so he confronts Pharaoh. We had the 10 plagues. And eventually Pharaoh just gives up. The king of Egypt says, you know what? Take them. Take all these people. I'm done with it. Um, And Moses leads them through the wilderness. And this is where we kind of pick up our story today. As he's leading through the wilderness, Moses is in charge of all of these all of these Israelites, God's people. So Moses had a pretty big task in order to do this. And so as they're leading them through, 
as you can imagine, when you have a big group of people and all these people depending on you, sometimes complaining goes on. Sometimes things that don't go their way. And they dealt, and Moses was the one that dealt with the brunt of that. Now, he did have his brother Aaron to help him out with some of this stuff, but he dealt with the majority of that. And it's going to be very key as I, as I go through. So whether it's, and I'm sure some of you that have children understand this, when are we going to get there? We've been here for 40 years. When are we going to be to that promised land? Are we there yet? Can I get some food? I've got to go to the bathroom. I've got this, this, this. And so Moses is dealing with a brunt, a lot of this. Where are we going to put our tents? All these different things. Now, we'll pick it up um, from there on the side of the mountain. So in verse 13, um, again, Jethro is coming with Moses' two sons and his wife. And so they're walking to where they're camped out near Mount Sinai. And as they're in the wilderness, uh, Moses calls over his father-in-law, Jethro, and tells him to come on over, and he basically says, hey, come into my tent. I want to explain a few things of what God has done. Look at what he did. He he'd had the ten plagues, and Pharaoh, as some of you know, he changed his mind, and he chased Moses and all the Israelites, and all the slaves said, no, I changed my mind now. I want you back as our slaves. Well, the, that's where we get the story of the Red Sea, where God parted the sea. And so Moses explaining all these great stories, all these great things that God has provided for them as they've been walking through the wilderness, providing bread from heaven, water, all these different things to supply all their needs. And so we pick it up from there, and Jethro is just, what he's doing is he's, he's praising God and says, wow, that's so awesome. I can't, I can't believe that. Praise God. And then so we pick up on verse 13. It's the next day after this all happens. So in verse 13, it says, and so it was, On the next day that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. So when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did for the people, he said, What is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone sit, and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? Now I'm reading from the New King James Version. Um, And Moses, verse 15, said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me and inquire of God. When they have a difficulty, they come to me, and I judge between one another, and I make known the statutes of God and his laws. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, The thing that you do is not good. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out, for this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourselves. Listen now to my voice. I will give you counsel. And God will be with you. Stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God. Here's a key verse, verse 20. And you shall teach them the statues and the laws and show them the way in which they must walk and work they must do. Moreover, you shall select from all people able men such as fear God, men of truth, having covetousness, And place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people at all times. Then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you, but every small matter they themselves shall judge. So it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing and God so commands you, then you'll be able to endure, and all this people will also go their place in peace." Verse 24, key verse. 
So Moses heeded the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. And Moses chose able men out of Israel and made them heads over the people, rulers of, hundreds, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. So they judged the people at all times, the hard cases they brought to Moses, and they judged every small case themselves. Um, so you, as you see here, Moses was in doing everything. He was taking all his people, and, and Jethro, his father-in-law, he was pretty quick to point this out. And I love how, again, on verse uh, 20, see it pull up on my screen here, is that you shall teach them the statues and the laws and show them the way, the work they must do. So what Jethro was instructing uh, Moses to do is to say, look, you need to start teaching them. You need to start empowering other people to do this. And I love, and, and um, I'm a huge, I love leadership. I've anything I can get my hands on, whether it's podcasts, videos, books, whatever it may be. So some of these points I'm going to talk about are, are big leadership things. And I know some of you may be leaders of your companies or even just leaders in your homes. And I'm hoping that there's some of these points that you can apply to your life. And I love how Moses didn't bristle and get defensive at Jethro. He didn't say, you have no idea what I've been through. You have no idea. I mean, look at this. For crying out loud, Moses saw God and heard from God through a burning bush. And for some other guy to come into his life and say, look, this is how you need to handle things. I loved how Moses was humble in this. And he didn't try to say, oh, yeah, I thought about that. I I knew that. No, he was very humble in his response and thought, you know what? Maybe I need to listen to this. And um, I think, too, that I think Moses, God was dealing with Moses, too, during this whole time. And although God didn't provide Moses with that answer right away, he let him kind of go through that. It's just like in our life, sometimes we go through things and we wonder, okay, I wonder what, what I'm trying to learn here. What am, I, what am I, you know, what do I need to do? What do I need to do better? Well, God, as you know, sent Jethro his way to help him out. Now, um, I think there's three things, and I'll call these the three Ds as we go through this story. I think there's three things that we can learn from this. And I think the first two are, are some leadership type stuff. And number one is don't do everything, Hey. Okay? I, I think for us in our lives as as men, you know, sometimes... We like to take care of it and just say, you know what, I'm going to do it. Um, you know, Moses was select to lead a nation, and he had his brother Aaron to help him deal with some of these decisions. But um, Moses was basically what he was doing. He was very prideful, and he was micromanaging everything. And a quote that I have um, in my office, we can pull it up here, I think is a, is a great quote. I had heard this from... Um, I believe it was Craig Rochelle, the Life Church uh, pastor. He had come to a Catalyst conference one year. And this is a quote that I have in my office. And, you know, as starting, and, and again, I'm still in the first few years of in my leadership position, but this quote I have, I read every single day. It says that great leadership isn't about doing something great, but revealing the greatness others have inside them. I'll read that again. Great leadership isn't about doing something great, but instilling and revealing the greatness others have inside them. You know, for, for me, I had to f- figure this out pretty quickly. Um, I, I went from being an administrator up in the high school as an assistant, 
and then jumping over here as the principal at the fifth and sixth grade center. And, you know, I was in charge of about 10 teachers in this building and about oh, around 140 students. So I had to realize, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't too bad. It was fairly manageable. Um, but when I jumped down just the other, just last year, as the principal of fifth and sixth, or I'm sorry, the pre-K through fourth, I am now responsible for 40 plus staff members and then also close to 300 students. So I had to realize this really quickly that there is no way that I can do everything on my own. And um, as I kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, and I think I felt a little bit what Moses felt, and thank God that this is a men's leadership, but sometimes women, when I deal with women, sometimes they can complain. I'm just going to be very honest with you, okay? And I'm sure some of you know that as, as you are, are married, and sometimes that happens. And here's the thing. For me, I can't just say, suck it up, buttercup, you'll be fine. No, if I said that, I would have... 30 women in my office that are bawling and crying and say, he said this to me. And, you know, I, you can't say that. I can't do that. So, so I think I felt a little bit what Moses feeling as these, because I do all, sometimes I'll get in my office and, and all sometimes we'll have a teacher to say, you know, I did this with this teacher or, and you know, I have to walk them through it. I've got to guide them through it. And just like in verse 20 says, and kind of what this quote goes back to is you need to teach them, you need to train them, you need to empower them. And again, I don't know how this applies to your life, but I'd say for even some of you that are dads in here, my, uh, my question to you is, do you, um, how can you apply this to your life? Do you show your children how to do things or do you just do it yourself? You know, it's sometimes so easy. I have a three-year-old daughter and it's sometimes so easy for me because to get it done quicker, I just pick up her toys and say, I'm going to get this done. Well, no, I want to empower her. I want her to teach. I want to teach her that. I want to show her that to say, hey, look, I want to train you in this as verse 20 talks about. And that's what the advice that Jethro was giving Moses say, hey, look, you need to train them. You need to empower them. You need to equip them with these things and teach them how to do it. Because if you don't do this, as Jethro said, you're going to kill yourself. There's no way that you can do this by yourself. So um, number two, my second point is um, for us to learn from this story, I think is number two is to delegate wisely. Again, some of you that are in a leadership position, you know all about this. Um, Moses wasn't using the people, the ordinary in ordinary common affairs. I mean, he was dealing with every little thing, big thing, it didn't matter. He was dealing with everything. And his life would have been a whole lot better if he would have just learned simply just to delegate to other people. Um, you know, a lot of his energy was going towards the things, these little matters that were coming to him, and he had to equip these people. And again, Jethro was very quick to point those things out to say, hey, look, hold on, you need to do this differently. There's no, you shouldn't be handling all these little bitty cases and dealing with all this. You need to start training other leaders. And in fact, Deuteronomy chapter 1 uh, verses 9 through 18, it even instructs us if, as leaders that we need to be choosing judges to help judge these cases, judge these, uh, help help with people. Now, um, we started a thing 
um, in the elementary, we had an accreditation company that came through just this last year, and they give us recommendations as far as for our school, what we need to do, what we need to work on. We got a great score, but one of the things that they had mentioned to us is that we need to do a better job at looking at data, which in the education world, we call this collaboration, where um, you basically sit with your other team members and you look to see how our students did on certain testing, especially our standardized testing. And so anyways, um, I had come from um, Union Public Schools and my administrator that I had had, she is now the, the data coordinator for the whole district at Union Public Schools. So I had a lot of experience with working with data and working with testing and looking at scores and how can we make this better for our students? What can we do? Well, one thing that I had to realize, um, I was given that task to oversee all this new, and we're kind of just in the starting process of it, but I knew right then and there that it was going to be tough for me to take on another thing. So what I did is I knew I had a leader that I knew was very good at it. One of my teachers taught um, actually at Jenks, and she was very familiar with collaboration too and data tracking and all looking at numbers, and she she was very good. So I think how can this relate to this story is what about in your life, like in verse 21, I love how it says that, Jethro gave Moses instruction of, you shall select from all the people able men that fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them be rulers. So what he's saying is, you need to choose people that have their life right, that you know um, that could handle this. And, you know, that's exactly what I had to do in that situation. I had to choose a teacher that I know could handle this. And so I had to think about that and pray about that and say, you know what, I need to think about which one of these people that can help me with this. And I just didn't say, Hey, here, take this, take collaboration, take this data tracking stuff. It's all yours. No, I had to walk her through it and empower her. And I don't remember who, but I'm pretty sure I heard this podcast, um, I think it was by Andy Stanley. It's called Four Levels of Delegation. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal podcast. And again, I'm not sure if it was Andy Stanley. I don't remember who it was, but it's very, very good. It's called Four Levels of Delegation. And anyways, um, that was something that I do. And even with my teachers sometimes, they'll come to me again. Sometimes when I have my office door open, they will come right in. And, and I'm sure, again, some of you that may are leaders and oversee a group of people, sometimes it's a continuous daily thing of people coming through. I had to realize, too, that I want to empower them to decide because sometimes they'll come to me with certain situations, and I know they know the answer. And sometimes what I do is I say, you decide. I've empowered you. You know you make that decision. And so I think it's important for us to be very careful about that and delegate wisely. And then some of you that you say, well, I'm not in a leadership position. And I say, if you want to be in a leadership position, you need to start thinking like a leader. And that's something that I had to earn learn very early on, and actually I had heard one of my professors uh, say this, if you ever want to be an administrator, if you ever want to be a principal, you as a teacher, you need to start thinking like a principal, like what would a principal do in this situation? So, and for you that are in whatever position that you may be in, um, I, I charge you with this verse. It says in First Peter 5, 5 through 6, it says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Meaning that if you are humble and that you do those little things, whether it's 
you have to clean the toilets or you've got to do the dirty work behind the scenes. You've got to cut the grass, whatever it may be. Are you doing that with diligence and are you being humble about it? Because again, I promise you, and just like when I look for, for my teachers, if I give them a small task and I see that they follow through with it and they do it better than what I expected, I'm going to remember that. And so it's very, very important to um, always make sure that you are following through with that. And finally, I think this is the most important and what my whole topic is about today um, is number three is to deliberately listen. And if I was to add some more words there is deliberately listen and heed. Um, I think this is very crucial, and I love the way that Jethro handled giving advice to Moses. He encouraged Moses to seek the Lord. Let's read verse 23. It says, If you do this thing and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure, and all this people will also go to their place in peace. So here's the deal. Jethro respected Moses' calling and how he knew, I mean, obviously he knew that God had called Moses to do this. So he, he respected that. And he said, you know what? I respect that authority that God has given you. So here's what you need to do. You need to pray about it first. And that's the same situation when we get advice from other people, when we deliberately listen, is you've got to go to that in prayer. You've got to find out to say, you know what? I need to pray about this. I need to figure out, is, is, this, is this good advice? Is this something that I should be taking? Is this something that should be implementing my life? So Jethro was very quick to say that. Look, you need to pray to God about this, but this is what I see. And in verse 24, I love Moses' response here. It says, Moses heeded the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he said. So Moses implemented it right away. And so Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law, and he did everything that he had said. Now, I think it's also important, too, um, that we, in our realm of work, that we have people that come to us and evaluate us, too. In the education world, we have that. We call them our formal observations, or we call them walkthroughs. Um, where I go through and, and I visit teachers' classrooms. I just sit in there sometimes and I see what's going on, how they're doing. And I also, too, we have other teachers that go into other teachers' classrooms and say, this is how I do it. This is how, this is how I think you should run or this is how I think you should do whatever it may be. And I think it's important for us, too, is that, um, that we have people that come in and just tell us the honest truth about how we're doing. And it's so crucial to have those people in our lives. And I'll, I'll sometimes, um, Mr. Birch, he's our high school principal, you know, there's, it's, it's very important. Um, I'll, I'll have him too. And I even actually have our teachers sometimes video themselves as they're teaching and just say, I want you to reflect. I want you to look back to see how you're doing it. Because, you know, as... As we know, sometimes if we continually do the same thing and maybe we're not getting the results that we want, it's because, you know what, we, maybe, we may need to change something up. We need to maybe evaluate a little bit. So just like in this story, Jethro came through and he saw what Moses was doing. He's like, why are you doing it this way? You're going you're gonna to kill yourself if you keep doing it this way. So he gave him advice. And um, the cool thing was is that Jethro's correction just wasn't from Moses. It was for thousands and thousands of people. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, get a picture of this where you've got Moses just 
sitting down on his chair or whatever he was sitting on. And literally, maybe he was in his tent, and he just sat there as the people just aligned. I, I saw on the Internet a picture, a thing that they had. It was literally just Moses sitting there, and there was a line that just kept going for miles and miles. And can you imagine that picture of Moses having to deal with all that? I mean, it's crazy. And him just taking one by one. But now, now that Moses listened to his father-in-law's instruction and thought, you know what, maybe I need to humble myself and say, I need to listen to this. I need to listen to this advice and say, you know what, maybe it is something. And look at the impact now that Moses has. It's not only for just now, he's not only impacting one by one, but now that he's chosen leaders, he's impacting thousands and thousands of people. And also, too, many generations to come. I mean, can you imagine if Jethro didn't, give that advice to Moses where he would have been at. Um, And I think, too, if we pridefully resist correction from other people, we may be blocking that channel of blessing to something else. And if we just pridefully say, no, I'm not going to listen to that person. And I'm going to get into a little bit here, too, about what instruction advice that we take from people. But I think it was important that, you know, it is. I'll tell you, it's very hard to take advice from other people. For example, some of you um, that are married, how about the advice that you get from your wife? Sometimes that's hard. It is. And I'll tell you the truth. My wife is very brutally honest with me. (laughs) The first time I did this talk with her, (laughs) she ripped me apart. (laughs) She did. It was, it was, but it was, it was so good because, I, there's some things that I changed and how I had approached it and how I'd done it, but it's so important. And, and two, for, for us as guys, you know, do you have mentors in your life that speak into you about certain things and maybe correct you maybe when you are wrong? And um, I think also, too, how about this one? Um, it's always fun, too, maybe sometimes to get instruction from um, your mother-in-law. Sometimes that's always a fun one, too, and say, you know, this is how you need to handle this situation, and you're like... You kidding me? You know, sometimes it is. It's hard. But and even in Moses' case, I mean, he had to hear from his father-in-law. And again, he was hearing from God. I mean, God was speaking to him. But you know what? He knew that God had called Jethro in his life to speak into his life. And um, one example of this for me in my life was when I was teaching. Oh, I was about two or three years into my teaching career. And actually, my mother-in-law and my wife came to me. And um, they said, what do you think about going and, and getting your master's? And I thought, this was my first reaction. No way. I mean, I had been in school, uh, you know, high school all the way through for 18 years or a little less than that. Went all the way through school. And then I went to college to go to school to be a teacher. And I'm in school every single day. And to go to more schooling and to get all that, to spend the time, to spend the money, I was like, there is no way I'm going to do that. And I bristled at it and I said, nope, I'm not doing it. But you know what? I thought more about it. I prayed about it. And I thought, you know, I need to take a class. I need to just try a class. And, and I thought, you know what? I might as well give it a try. And I'm so glad that I made uh, that that my wife and my mother-in-law told me and asked me me to think about that and you know now that I have done that I can't imagine not going through that and getting my masters because now I'm in the position that I am in or I am a principal and the cool thing and I think is just like the story of Moses 
was that the greater I have a greater impact now on students just because I had heeded the voice of somebody that was in my life. I now, because when I was teaching, I would affect about 20, 25 students, and I loved, I loved teaching. But now I have a greater impact on the students. I mean, I oversee about 300 plus students. I have a greater impact now. And also, too, with the teachers that I have, I have a far greater impact than I ever thought that I ever would. And it was all because I had heeded the voice from somebody else and I had applied it to my life. And again, going back to Moses, the same thing. I mean, there were thousands and thousands of Israelites that he's taking to God's promised land, and he was dealing with all these matters one by one. But now he has a far greater impact because he's training other leaders in it. And now you see the trickle effect of it. So that is my charge to you is in order to do that, you need to, and sometimes it may, maybe God is sending someone to you that needs that is speaking into your life and that we need to be humble and listen. You know, Proverbs twelve fifteen says, the way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. I really like the New King James Version, which says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. So it's so very important that we heed that counsel. But again, here's the deal, because I'm sure some of you are thinking this. You need to be very careful about who, what advice you get from other people. Don't just take advice from any Joe Schmo down the street, okay? If someone comes up to you and gives you advice about something, you know, sometimes that's, that's funny when um, people will come into your life or someone comes into your life. If, if that's not a person that is a mentor in your life or a person that's maybe in your realm of work or somebody even like a family member, you know, you've got to be very careful about the people that you listen to or someone that influences you. Um, For example, this was a few years back. I had a parent on a decision that that I had made um, regarding regarding their um, girl. And, um, you know, it was... It was pretty hard because the parent wasn't, they weren't happy with the decision that I had made. And, um, you know, the, the parent had, had said, some, said some pretty um, nasty things about me and my decision. And, and you know, it, it was hard for me to hear. And, you know, I, I went home that day and, and um, I actually, there's a few mentors in my life, a few guys, and, and I, had, I had talked to them a little bit about it. And, you know, um, it was great because they they poured back into me and, and said, you know, you need to remember who you are in Christ and what God has called you to do. And sometimes as leaders, we've got to make decisions like that. And it's not very fun. It isn't very fun because sometimes you take the brunt of that. And some of you know what I'm talking about. And, you know, it's so important and so crucial that we don't. Because, again, Jethro wasn't just some guy down the street saying, this is how you should handle things. No, he was Moses' father-in-law, and Moses knew that, and he had, he had some influence in his life, and um, I think it was important. And, and Moses, he did. He, he, I think he viewed Jethro as a mentor in his life. And it's so crucial and important for us that we have that same thing because, as you know, the devil can attack our mind. That's what he is very good at, okay? And sometimes he can take things, and you've got to be very careful about the things that you hear from other people, especially when people don't know you, because this, this, um, this dad, he didn't really understand all that I had poured in back to 
um, his daughter, and, and it was something that I think we've got to be very careful about. So that's why, again, going back to the Scripture that Jethro was saying, you need to pray about this and see this. And again, I'm not saying that everybody um, maybe that sends something your way, because I've been on the other end, too, where I had to admit it when I was wrong. I would discipline too hard on a situation, or I was too rough about how I had dealt with that situation. And I've had to go to parents before and say, you know what? I did. You're right. I I was wrong in that situation. I've had to do that. And I've had to admit to them I was wrong. So it's important to to follow that. So to wrap all this up in in kind of a conclusion, wrapping all this thing up, um, is if God used Jethro's correction to direct Moses for greater effectiveness, how much more should we be humbly listening for God's direction, maybe in the correction that he sends the people to us? So who is that Jethro? My question to you is, who's the Jethro in your life? Who is that person that God has sent your way to help you out in a situation or to give you advice on a certain situation that you're dealing with? Who is that Jethro in your life? And I think my final question to you is, are you humbling yourself like Moses did? And the key is, are you heeding that? Okay? That is very, very important to remember. If this is someone that you feel like God has sent your way, you need to pray about it and see, but are you heeding that? And that's Because we can take advice from anybody, but you need to pray about it and figure out, okay, is this something that I need to listen to? Is this something maybe God has sent the Jethro in my life to deal with this in this situation? All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you so much for this day, Father. And we just thank you, um, Lord, that we just take one of these things um, that we learn from the story of Jethro and Moses, Lord, and apply it to our lives, Father God. We thank you, Lord, for all that you've given us. We thank you for um, just this great day that we're going to have. And I just thank you for each and every one of these men in here and the leaders that they are in their homes, their businesses. Uh, the realm of influence, whatever it may be, Father God. And I just thank you for the opportunity. And we give you glory and give you honor. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. It's good to know we've got guys like Joel who are um, not not um, sitting back and doing nothing in our schools. And especially um, for my own family, I'm incredibly, incredibly grateful for the impact you have um, and the fact that you went and got that master's and took the extra time that it, that it took so that you could have a greater impact. And so I think that's a great challenge for us today, too, to ask ourselves, you know, what is God asking us to do um, to make further impact in our lives? And sometimes that is taking the advice of someone who will tell you the truth in your life, and it's great to have that. Um, September 9th is going to be our next men's breakfast. It'll be here again, same place. Um, the, typically, it's the first Friday of the month, but that happens to be Labor Day weekend, so I figured it'd probably be better if we waited until the next week, September 9th. And I'm um, incredibly excited to have uh, Coach Darren Melton with us uh, next week. So he's taking out time in the middle of uh, high-season football to be with us, and he is incredibly excited to be here um, as we ask him to, to come. And he will be speaking on... Uh, his topic is called, all of, uh, all of These Things Will Be Added Unto You. So we all know that scripture, uh, but I'm very excited to see his perspective on what he does day in and day out with um, training, training football teams. And, you know, he's got an incredible record of um, being, win- being a winning coach, coached for 27 years, um, and been married, has a great, two, two, great, two great boys, and just a super great guy. So again, 
I'm incredibly excited for these guys that come and share with us. And you know, I don't know about you guys, but I walked away with a lot of good nuggets today of things that I just put in my backpack, carry on down the road. And I'm like, I allow God to speak those to me as we go through and as we uh, go through our day. And with me having employees, I've got 12 employees. And, and as we uh, meet with them and, and we've got some things going on, we're working, working with a lot of our guys there uh, about changes we're making and, and those kind of um, allowing input and giving input is so helpful. You know, none of, us, none of us is perfect, not one of us. But to have the input that we have from, from a trusted friend is, is truly something we need to, need to value. So thank you guys for being here today. Happy Friday, and I pray that you have a great weekend. Thanks.